Amen. Happy Easter. Thank you so much for those of you who um, switched over from the 10 o'clock to make room for the people at 10. We appreciate you doing that. We appreciate you coming. It's a packed house at 1130, and we're always glad to have you. Um, this morning, I was really excited. It's Easter Sunday, and I was going through my normal routine. My normal routine is to go to um, a gas station about 5.30 in the morning. Um, and then I go to McDonald's and get my sausage McMuffin. Says that's how you earn this right here. And I was very excited, and I walked into um, the gas station this morning. And the lady behind the counter, who I've seen and I know, and I, I was just, I noticed she looked down. And I looked at her, and I said, what, are you Okay. She was like, well, I've had a really rough night. She said, um, the last night on the way into work, I got in a wreck. And on top of that, um, my vape broke and I really need some nicotine. And uh, I sit there and I was like, well, I'm really sorry. And she just looked sad. I tried to encourage her, prayed for her. And, and as, as I was leaving, I just reminded myself, the Easter story is for her. The Easter story is for us, but the Easter story is for her. So why do we gather to celebrate the Easter story? Why do we gather to talk about who this Jesus is? We gather to kind of share what we know, and, and I want to make sure we're on the same page of what we, we believe and what we know around here. You see, we believe around here that humanity was made with dignity, and there's a beautiful part of that. The humanity was made with dignity comes from Genesis 1, 27. So it says, so God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them male and female. And the beautiful picture of that is that you and I, above every other thing, were made with dignity, with class, with respect. And that God loves every single one of us. He loves the lady at the gas station. He loves the orphan in Haiti. He loves the, the farmer in Africa. He loves uh, the, the steel mill worker in Asia. He loves us all. And we were made with dignity. We were made to have purpose. We were made to have hope. But there's this thing that happened. You see, God wanted to be in a relationship with us. That's, that's what separates us from the animals. That's what separates us from the trees. But in order to be in a relationship, he gave us the choice to be in the relationship. And so he, he set a, a list of standards. Because a relationship that's forced is not a relationship. We get that, right? And somewhere along the lines, we decided that we didn't want to follow God's way, and so sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, dignity turned into brokenness. For who? For all of us. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Brokenness is this realization that you and I are, are not as well off as we act like it. That there's times when we struggle, there's times when we feel the hurt, there's times when we feel the pain. When I think of brokenness, I, I think of a shattered basketball goal. It's that time of year, right? And I remember watching Darvin Ham, who played for Texas Tech many years ago. He broke a basketball goal. And the, the, the long time of delay it took to pick up all those shards of glass off the floor. Because it's not so simple as to get a broom. When, it's a, when a backboard breaks, there's all these tiny, 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 tiny shards of glass that can, can do damage. And when the backboard breaks, have you ever thought to yourself, you know what? I'm just going to glue it back together. I'm going to give me some Elmo's. We might even have to go with Gorilla Glue here. <laughs> Duct tape. MacGyver's in the house. Any MacGyver's? Yeah. I'm going to put that back together. And when we tried to put it back together, when we tried to put our life back together and our brokenness, what we discovered is it's an impossible task. Because like broken glass on a driveway, it just will not go back together the way we want it to. 
And in our brokenness, we were left with despair and, and lostness. But you see, God made us to have dignity. God made us to be in a relationship with us. And so he didn't want us to be separated from him. So in John 3.16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God the Father did not leave us in our brokenness, but made us a way to be restored through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. So here's the story. Christmas. The God of this universe came and was birthed in the form of a baby. Think about that. God in human form. Who would grow up and live a perfect life. And though he was guilty of no crime, would on a Friday go up and bear our sin and take our consequences and die for us on the cross so that we could have a right relationship with God. That's the part of the story I think you need to understand, that God loved you enough to do that for you. And here's the good part. That's the easy part to believe. Because history shows us, even the people who don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, everyone can account to history books show that Jesus, there was a man named Jesus who was crucified on a hill 2,000 something years ago. He did. He did for you and for me. But it's the next part of the story that sometimes causes us to question and wonder. The next part of the story says this. Jesus was raised from the dead. And if you're having trouble believing that, you're not alone. Jesus' disciples did too. In John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9, it says this. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark. And she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran to Simon Peter, to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. By the way, John is writing this, and so the one he loved was, well, he was saying himself. <laughs> and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. And at that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading to the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. John again is juking there. Stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. And then the one following him, Simon Peter, came also. He entered the tomb and saw the linen clothes lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but it was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first, then entered the tomb, saw and believed, for they still did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went home again. So here you have the people who have been living with Jesus, walking with Jesus, breathing with Jesus, who had heard him say, I'm going to come back alive, who had seen him heal the blind, who had seen them raise Lazarus from the dead, who had seen all kinds of miracles, but still couldn't fathom that the Jesus they watched crucified on the cross on Friday was still alive on Sunday. So if you had trouble believing that, I understand. But here's the reality. I think it makes sense. I think it makes perfectly logical sense that Jesus rose again. We'll say, how can you say that? Well, I can say that because I don't think anything just happens because of an accident. In fact, I find it really hard to believe, and mathematically the odds are almost impossible, that we just exist and are a happenstance from a logical 
improbability. That an explosion just caused us to be here without any rhyme or reason. Because think about it. When was the last time you caused an explosion and created something, right? I'm going to go cause a huge, massive explosion and poof, artwork. Maybe. New age art, right? But usually when an explosion happens, chaos happens, disarray happens. In fact, one person that I saw not too long ago made this apologetic argument that said this. When an explosion happens, it doesn't make sense that things would come together. The same improbability of an explosion happening and causing all the pages of a book to come together, to be bound, and those words to be put in a logical sequence is the same probability of you and I being here except We take it one step further because we have a soul and breathe and move. So let's go cause an explosion. And if you ask yourself, if we caused an explosion, what is the likelihood that that book would be put together in just the right order, in just the right pages, with all the words on the page coming together and making sense? Not very likely, right? Kids, do not try this at home. It's not a good, I know it's April 1st, but that's not what we want to do. Trust me. It just doesn't happen. And so when the God of this universe put us together, he did so lovingly. He put us together, and it makes sense to think that there's a God out there who would do this, who would care for us. And if he put us together and carefully made us and put us on this planet, doesn't it make sense that he wants to know you because he knows the number of hairs on your head or lack thereof? He knows everything about you. And desperately wants to be with you. And some of you are going, boy, I want to believe, but I still am struggling because I wasn't there. Well, let's look at another one of the disciples. The story of Thomas in John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29, when it says this. But one of the twelve, Thomas, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples kept telling him, we have seen the Lord. But he has said to him, if I don't see the marks of the nails in his hands and put my finger into the marks of the nails and put my hands in his side, I will never believe. Sounds like a skeptic. And I say skeptics welcome. Because after eight days, his disciples were indoors again. And Thomas was with them. And even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and observe my hands. Reach out in your hand and put it into my side. And don't be afraid. Don't be an unbeliever, but be a believer. And Thomas responded to my Lord and my God. Jesus said, because you have seen me, you have believed. And those who believe without seeing are blessed. And this is the story of us. I want to believe that Jesus raised from the dead, but if I could just reach out and put my hands in the imprints, if I could just reach out and touch Jesus, if I could feel his presence, maybe we can. I, I wear a wedding ring. Those of you who don't know, I'm married. Some of you are like, how did this guy get married? I know. <laughs> but let me just tell you, a wedding ring makes me no more married than a bumper sticker makes me a member of a church. In fact, I'd like to remind some of you that if you have that bumper sticker on your car, we'd like you to either drive right or turn it in. (laughs) But seriously. (laughs) But what does make me married is not the ring on my finger, but the fact that I live with her. 
And you can come and tell me all you want that my wife isn't real, but I know she is because I laugh with her. I cry with her. I go through the ups and the downs of life daily with her. Now here's the good news. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And for the follower of Jesus, he invites you into a place where you can have a relationship with him and you can live with him. He's not some anomaly floating around in a cloud. His presence can be felt. His spirit can be felt with us. His power can be dwelt with us. And there's times when you go through life and you sit there and you go, this absolutely has to make sense. My God's alive because there is no way I could go through this life like that. Because God is alive, I know it because I live with him. And so here's the first thing I get to offer you today. A chance to live with him for now and to eternity. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth Jesus the Lord and believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, then you can become a follower of Jesus. And what that means is it's not just something you get to casually do. It's not fire insurance so I can go to a nice place when I die. It's, it's the God of this universe begins to dwell and live with me. And what you end up finding is this is where you find meaning and purpose and hope and joy. Because we share what we know and we testify to how our lives have changed. And what I want to testify to you today is that this is what I know. God is everything to me. He just is. And yet I'm broken and bruised and banged up just like you. So why do we gather? We gather to testify of how our lives have changed. We gather to share what we know. But we also gather because, well, we need each other. That's a, a funny thing to say because when I think of the church, I think the church is more like a hospital full of sick people. We're all sick and there's only one doctor and his name is Jesus. And we come together and we go, man, the church is, I'd go to church, but the church is full of hypocrites. Right, the hospital is full of sick people. If they'd only get their lives together, then I would go to church. Well, that's not happening on this life because here's the beautiful picture of what the cross does for us, okay? Not only is the story of the cross the story of how Jesus saved us, but Friday, death happened. And then Saturday happened. And then Sunday, life now, parallel that to our life. We recognize that we are dead because we are full of mistakes and sin. We are broken. And Saturday, well, it's here. And Sunday is the life that's come. Our resurrection, our security, our sanctity, our eternal ever after is coming the moment we no longer breathe on this earth. So we're living in the Saturday, waiting for Sunday to come. But Sunday's coming. Do you get it? And so on the Saturday, we come together broken. On the Saturday, we come together with our marriages in shamble. On Saturdays, we come with the addictions, with the anxiety, with the worry, the stress. On Saturdays, we come with all our problems. On Saturdays, we come together and we go, God, we need you. And God speaks into the lives of us through what he does through his word and through other people. And we gather together to try to find a way to make it till Sunday. So how do we make it till Sunday? 
John chapter 20, verses 30 through 31, right after he just addresses Thomas, John says exact purpose of why he wrote the whole book of John. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. So here's my Easter question for you today. Do you have life? Say, I'm breathing. Of course, I have, I'm talking purpose in life. Are you tired of going around sitting there going, I don't know how to make it work? Are you struggling with finding dignity? Are you struggling with having value? We're broken. I'm broken. You're broken. We're all broken. And what we need to understand is that the God of this universe loved you enough to send his son to die for you. And he was raised up out of the dead and is alive and wants to be with you. You can't find that in a bottle. You can't find that in another relationship. You can't find that in a promotion. You can't find that anywhere else but in him. And so when we gather together, the purpose of gathering together is to declare that our God is worthy. So do you feel like life is a struggle? Me too. Do you feel like this world is broken? Me too. Do you feel like that you are in need of something, someone to to speak into your life and to say there is hope? Me too. And see, that's what the church is about. So we're going to do something a little unusual today. There's something called a responsive reading. You may not know what that is. That's where the church echoes back. We're not going to do responsive reading. We're going to do responsive singing today. Some of you are like, I don't know what I'm doing. Here's what we're going to do. He's going to lead us out in the song, and he's going to be the lead. And then I'm not going to sing because nobody wants that. So our lovely ladies are going to help us with the response. But in doing so, we're going to show and represent what the church is about, why we gather to declare that we're broken and that we're in need of Jesus, to declare how good he is, to declare how faithful he is, and to declare why we gather. So would you do that in the the parentheses? When you see the parentheses, that's what your response is. And some of you are like, I don't know the word song. It's not hard. It's like three words, okay? Say, no one around me is singing. That's okay. You sing. You can whisper it if you really want to. But let's show what the church is all about, responding to how good our God is.